What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Lost Lifting Talk. Today, we are going to get into another Q&A episode. But before we hop into that, I've got just a couple of things for you guys here in this intro. So first and foremost, if you have questions that you would like me to answer personally, and then I'll potentially bring them onto the podcast as well. If you're having struggles inside of your nutrition, your programming, you're not sure what you're doing, if you're doing it correctly, or you're stuck or plateaued and just need some advice to keep things going, um, feel free to reach out. My email is always linked down below. So if you have questions on anything, you can click that link. It'll shoot you right over to my email address. Um, leave me whatever question it is. The more detail that you leave, the better I can help you. And then if I feel like those are questions that could potentially help other people because they're probably struggling with the same things, I will bring those p- questions onto the podcast and answer them. I won't bring your name on. You'll stay anonymous, all that kind of stuff. I won't expose like what you have going on or anything like that. You'll be completely anonymous. I'll just bring the questions on without bringing your names on. So feel free to do that. If you need help, this is a personal invitation. You're more than welcome to leave me the questions that you have. Use the free resource of me being able to help you. I do these Q&As once a week. So um, I'm always down to help you in whatever way that you need. That's completely free just to let me help you lead you down the path of, of where you should be going to get the result that you want. So feel more than welcome to that. That's just a gift from me to you for listening to the podcast, helping it grow. The podcast has been able, able to reach more and more people over these last four to five months since I started. So I really appreciate you guys and I'd be happy to help with whatever it is that you need, which leads into number two to continue this podcast growing. I'd be super appreciative if you could take a screenshot of this episode, post it onto your IG story and tag me in the IG story so that I can send you a a message and thank you for doing it so I can see that you've done it. As well as even if you don't have an Instagram or you just have people that you feel would benefit from hearing this type of information, just share it with them. Share it on your Facebook, share it, send it to them via message, whatever it may be, just to to help people inside of their own journeys that you feel like might be struggling or, or going down a path that's not very sustainable for what they're doing. Share this with them to be able to help them out more. I just really, really appreciate that. So I've got four questions I'm going to go a little bit deeper on. And so let's just hop into it. All right. The first question, it's a little bit longer. So let's just hop in. Perhaps you've mentioned this in a previous post, but what are your favorite on-the-go breakfast foods? I don't have a lot of time in the mornings because as soon as I wake up and get ready, I've got an extremely busy day and I always end up skipping breakfast. Or if I do eat something, it's a quick snack that's not very healthy. What are some easy on-the-go healthy breakfast options that you recommend? I've tried packing fruit with me, but isn't very filling and it leaves me feeling more hungry than I was before I ate. So you mentioned that you don't necessarily, sometimes you just completely skip breakfast, which is completely fine. If you're the type of person that's busy in the morning, you don't have an appetite, then just skipping breakfast altogether and having bigger meals later in the day is going to work for you just fine if that's a way for you to be able to stay more consistent and be able to stay within your calorie intake every single day. But if you do want to eat breakfast because you end up getting hungry, I would never suggest your first meal of the day just be something like some fruit because all that fruit is is just a fast-acting carbohydrate. It's not really going to fill you up. Your body's going to want to use that as energy, as an energy source first and foremost from the glucose that you're taking in. So if you are going to have breakfast, it should be something that's decently high in fiber and has some protein in it. My recent episode that I just posted Um, on Tuesday, the episode before this one, we talk about how to make a caloric deficit easier and two things inside of that to make a calorie deficit easier are eating protein in every single one of your meals, as well as eating fiber in the majority of your meals as well. And especially in the morning, fiber is super important because 
Protein is going to help slow down, slow down digestion, and so is fiber. So eating a fibrous protein source in the morning, so like something like some oatmeal with some eggs or something like that, is going to take longer to digest, and it's going to keep you feeling saturated for a longer amount of time. If you're just having a little bit of fruit, that's going to go right through you, digest super fast, and you're going to be hungry right after you. Not right after, but a lot faster after you're done eating it than you would be if you're eating a fiber source and a protein source. So if you're looking for like on the go options, if you have a little bit of time to do some eggs in the morning or else just like a protein shake with some oatmeal, super simple. You can even do overnight oats. This one I I really like. I haven't done it for a while. I should bring that back, but um, just some overnight oats. It's actually in the recipe book that we give out to all of our clients. So it's just um, oats, some protein powder, um, peanut butter, or some PB dupe. PB2 powder depending on calories and that's pretty much it some people will put like some different types of things and like you can put like some like chocolate chips on top of it or, or different things like that for a little bit of a better taste too but that way you're getting in your proteins you're getting in fiber from the oats it's going to help stay keep you fuller for a longer longer amount of time so that you don't end up getting hungry right afterwards which is super smart you could add some fruit to that if you wanted in the mornings and that's not gonna be a bad breakfast but just eating fruit by itself you're going to absorb it really quick you're going to digest it really fast and you're going to be left feeling hungry after you're done eating it still so make sure you're getting some fiber and make sure you're getting some protein a quick option for that like i said Protein oats, overnight oats are super convenient. You can make them the night before, so that's ready for you just to grab in the morning. You can even eat it on your way to work in the car if you wanted to. If you have a little bit more time, like some eggs and maybe like some whole grain toast, a little bit of fiber in the toast, and then some eggs for the protein and the fiber inside of the bread, that's going to help fill you up too. So smarter options like that is what I would recommend highly in the morning. If you are going to eat breakfast, make sure it's something that's going to keep you saturated for longer by having the fiber and the protein, not just a quick carb source. That's not going to help you get towards your protein goal by the end of the day either. So it's not really serving you the best in the best way that you could. It's just not the smartest meal choice for you. So hopefully that helps. Protein and fiber. If you're not going to eat breakfast, that's completely fine too. You could just do like a coffee in the mornings. That's what I do a lot of the time is I'll just have a coffee in the morning because that caffeine will stim- or will suppress my appetite a little bit. I'll be able to push that first pill back to like 11 or noon and go that way. So you can really do either one. One's not necessarily better than the other. It just depends on what's going to fit into your lifestyle better for you to be able to stay more consistent over the long haul. Question number two. I think I might have answered this one before. I don't know. I have to go back to see. I think this question has come up before, but it's, I'm consider I'm considering becoming a trainer and quitting school. I wondered if you thought that might be a good idea. I know you own a gym too, so you don't only work as a trainer, but given you do it full time, do you think it's a good career choice? <sighs> That's a loaded question. And I don't know your lifestyle perfectly. So to give you like a full on answer is irresponsible in my opinion to tell you what to do but I can give you some ideas for sure if if training is something training can be a hard career it's a slow career as you get started you don't go into to personal training or nutrition coaching and immediately start making much money especially if you're going to do it on your own you're not going into like a gym setting um, where they're just providing you with clients and you've got to go out and get your own clients. It's a long process. So if you really love training and you really love nutrition and you really can't see yourself doing anything else, like those are the things that are constants that you want to revolve your life around, then I would never tell you that that's a bad career choice. Now, would I tell you just to quit school for it? Like that's something you've got to figure out for yourself. I personally do not have a degree. I went to school for a while. I was lost when I was in college. I didn't 
know what I wanted. I felt like I was wasting my time. I was wasting my money. I was wasting my resources. And I was just really lost. I broke up with a girlfriend who's actually my wife now. And we ended up getting back together um, four or five years later. But I wasn't doing well there. And when I got home, it took me a few years to really realize what I wanted to do. And I was really willing to make the sacrifice of taking less pay to open up my own gym and to really pursue my online training and nutrition coaching career. Um, there's patience with that. So you can quit school. What I would suggest if you really love it, go into like a nutrition degree or like an exercise science degree or something like that if you can afford it. But because that's just going to leave you more credible. If I could go back and go to school, I would go in psychology because the first thing when it comes to training and nutrition is habit change. And if you can know somebody's psychology best, um, you can really help them create different habits, which is, in my opinion, more important than like the actual science and of every, of training and nutrition. Those are obviously really, really important things. But if you can't help somebody change their habits to follow the, the scientific methods that are going to produce the result for them, they want those scientific methods are purposeless. There's not a point of having them if somebody can't stick to them. So um, like a psychology degree or something in nutrition or something in exercise science is just going to help you be more credible as you come into the space and the industry. Um, that could be smart. So that's not, that's kind of going on a rant a little bit. Let me go back to your question. Do you think uh, being a trainer is a good career choice? So in my experience, what I have seen talking with other people in the industry, the guys that are working inside of the, the gym is like a one-to-one trainer, personal trainer in person. It's easy to get burnt out in that situation because you've got to be on your feet all day long training people. And mentally you have to be, you have to always be helping people like and pushing people when you're working with them in line, which can be mentally draining. When I first opened my gym, I was doing a lot of in-person PT sessions. Now I'm fortunate and to a point where I only work with in-person people that I really want to work with because my online business does well enough that the gym is just more for like all of the members that come in. And then I'll work with some of those people in like an online basis to where I'm not doing one-to-one services with them, but it's more like setting up their pro doing all their programming, doing their nutrition coaching, but I'm not like on the floor with them when they're doing their workouts. I'm just providing the programming and the nutrition coaching. And I absolutely love that. Now I understand that everybody's not gonna be able to do it in that way. And you're going to have to be on the floor. And, um, when you're on the floor working with people, I think that's a necessity up front because it teaches you how to be a better coach um, with people. I, I like this phrase, and I think I heard it from Jordan Sai. I bring him up sometimes because he's kind of like a mentor from afar for me because I look up to to how he is with his clients and how, how he helps people. But he said before, being an in-person trainer can make you a better online trainer, but being an online trainer can't make you a better in-person trainer, which I can really resonate with that. When I first started, I started online initially, and then I opened up my gym and started working with a lot of people in person after I got certified and everything, and I became such a better online trainer and nutrition coach once I started working with people in person. Now I'm to a point where I'm fortunate enough where I don't have to work with a lot of people in person just because it is mentally draining and I can reach more people and potentially make more money online with the business side of things. And so I've chose to go that way, but that's not necessarily, that's beating around the bush to your question. If, if you do want to go into it, I'm not going to say it's a good career choice or it's a bad career choice. If you're super passionate about it, I think it's a great career choice. When you're going to go into something and you're young, take a risk. In my personal opinion is take a risk on some, on doing something that you're going to love. I would rather do this every single day and work with people and create relationships with with clients than I would 
making a little bit more money doing something that I probably didn't enjoy as much. I wouldn't have as much fulfillment from it. And I was in that situation. I was making more money. Then I came to nutrition coaching. I actually quit the, the job that I was making more money at to come do this, to come just own the gym and just do the nutrition and the training online. And my life is so much better now. And it's actually to a point where it's starting to make more money than I was before. But that comes with a lot of patience, a lot of time. And a lot of hard work. Like there's not a lot of days off. You're consistently working. You've got to consistently be putting out content. But if you're going to do it, start in person. Start learning. Start studying. Start studying other trainers. Make sure you're well equipped with the education side of things. I would highly recommend too if you're going to be a trainer, start learning about nutrition. If you're going to train, you need to know the nutrition side of it if you're going to help people actually make real results because it comes from the combination of the two. You can't just help somebody with the training and they're going to look better and feel a whole lot better and all these different things. It comes down to having the training and the nutrition knowledge to be able to really help somebody. So that doesn't necessarily answer your question like in full. Do I think it's a great career choice? I think it can be if you know what to expect when you're going into it. If you can be patient and you know it's not going to make you like filthy rich but if you love doing it and you love helping people change their lives for the better, then it can absolutely be a great career choice. All right, moving right along to question numero tres. How many calories should I be burning in an hour of strength training? I use my Apple Watch to track it and I am curious if I'm at a good intensity or if I need help to, or if I need to step it up a little bit. Appreciate all your content. Thanks for what you do. How many calories should you burn when you're strength training? That is honestly a question that I would not worry too much about. There's not like a certain number of calories that you should be aiming for inside of a strength session. Instead, your focus should be shifted to getting better at strength training. Burning more calories in a strength session isn't going to get you better at strength training. You're not strength training to burn calories. You're strength training to build lean muscle, which is going to help you burn more calories overall in the long run so that your metabolism is healthier, your lean mass is healthier, your bone density is healthier, your joints are healthier. All of these different things that um, strength training does for you are much more important than just the immediate effect of the calorie burn. So honestly, like somewhere between probably two to 500 calories is what most people are going to burn during a training session. It might be a little bit more. That might be a little bit less depending on the type of programming that you're following, but that's not what's important. Instead, you should focus on after your strength training sessions, like the couple days after, are you a little bit sore? Soreness isn't like the greatest indicator to make sure you're making like the greatest progress ever, but a little bit of soreness means that you're probably working decently hard enough to be stimulating your muscles inside of those strength training sessions so that they're effective as well as are you looking to increase your weights as you're training are you looking at getting better at strength training are you starting to pay attention to your rir like your reps in reserve at the end of each set could you have kept going for like five six seven eight more reps when you finish or are you finishing somewhere where you're like three two or one rep shy of failure to where those sets are hard your heart rates up a little bit at the end of the sets because they're challenging you those are the things you should be more paying attention to than the actual calorie burn inside of them once you start doing that you'll start receiving the actual benefits that strength training is for if you're just looking to burn calories you might as well just go hop on a treadmill and do it that way because you probably burn calories faster. But that's not the goal with strength training. Strength training is a long-term play that's going to help you look better, feel better, perform better overall 
the older that you get and be healthier. Strength training is probably the healthiest thing that you can do, um, far more than cardio. Cardio is a way for you to just be able to burn more calories. What we're doing with strength training is trying to build your body. They're two very, very different things. So I would pay attention to more at the end of your sets that you're doing. Pay more attention to, okay, could I have done five to ten more reps with that weight? Or could I have maybe done like one, two, or three more reps? That's how you'll know that you're stepping it up enough to be able to, to be producing the result that you want. If you're leaving one, two, three reps left in the tank compared to leaving five to ten reps in the tank, you'll know that you're probably pushing it hard enough. And then from there, adding in like progressive overload schemes to where you're slowly adding weight or adding reps or adding sets over time to keep progressing in that way. I do have have two episodes that are just a little ways back. One's on how to set up your program overall, and the other one's how to set up your workouts inside of that program um, to make sure that you're training in a way that's that's guaranteed to produce results and so that you're getting the best investment of the time that you're putting in. So I'd switch your mindset from thinking about how many calories you're burning to how much weight you're lifting and try to progress in the weights that you're using and getting stronger and things like that. It's going to serve you far better in the long run to focus on that. Then if you're just worried on a calorie burn, burn, you can add in some cardio at the end of a, of a training session to up your calorie burn a little bit. So hopefully that helps. And the last question that we are going to answer today, do you have any tips on coming out of a calorie deficit without getting a bunch of weight? I've lost 40 pounds, but would like to shift my focus to building muscle now, but I'm scared to eat more food because of fat gain. This is a great question. A lot of people run into this situation after they lose a bunch of fat inside of a caloric deficit. I've done this too. You get way too scared to come out of that calorie deficit because you don't want to put any weight on. So you kind of get scared of food and think the more food that you eat, the fatter that you're going to get, which is not the case at all. You can't stay in the calorie deficit for your entire life. So I really appreciate this question because it shows that you're learning and you're wanting to understand how to um, optimize your metabolism the best way possible to come back up to a maintenance, to not put on fat, but to to worry about your health overall than just being skinny. You can be, you can lose weight. You've obviously got to be in a calorie deficit, but you can work your way back up to a maintenance level, eat more food so that you can optimize your health and maintain that result that you've got. And this is why so many people go wrong. There's a common thing that people say now, which is so true. It's not that we have a problem with losing weight. It's that we have a problem with keeping the weight off. And the reason with that is because we're in this all or nothing mentality of thinking that I'm going to go through this harsh diet and then I've got to eat like this forever or else to come out of it. I'm just going to go back to eating like normal and then we yo-yo back up. But there's strategic ways to come back up out of a calorie deficit to maintain the results that you've gotten on a higher number of calories. Because what you got to realize when you're inside of a calorie deficit, as you stay in it and you lose a lot of weight, your metabolism starts to slow down, your hormones start to slow down, your body's physically slowing down altogether. It doesn't want to be inside of a calorie deficit. It's a stressor to your body. So it's trying to adapt to that because it doesn't want to lose weight for the rest of its life because it's trying to to survive. Your body's smart. So as you eat less and are in a deficit, you're eating less calories every single day than what your body is burning, your metabolism's slowly trying to adapt to that calorie intake so that you'll stop losing weight. doesn't mean that's going to happen super fast. That happens over a long period of time. So say you've lost 40 pounds, now your metabolism over that 40 pounds has been slowing down throughout that process. So what happens with people is when they're done with the diet, they'll go back to eating the way that they were before, but their maintenance level is lower because it's adapting. So if you go back to eating the way you were before the diet, you'll start gaining weight back quickly and you'll think you're back up at a maintenance, but you'll actually be gaining weight because your body's actually in a surplus. So 
what you need to do, it's called a reverse diet. Once you're done with the actual deficit, you want to optimize your health. You want to start working your metabolism back up so you can get your energy back. You're not so food focused. You're not so hungry and always thinking about the foods that you can't have because you're in a deficit. You've got to go through a reverse. And this isn't the easiest thing in the world. It takes a lot. It's just as hard as the diet, honestly, because once you're done, you, you want to just get out of it. And you want to immediately feel better. But this takes time to go through this reverse process to slowly adapt your metabolism back up to where you're back at your set point so that you can maintain that result. Your hormones will come back, your hunger levels will go down, and you'll start to feel a million times better, and your your energy levels will start to feel better too. So initially, let's say you've lost 40 pounds. Initially, I don't know how deep your deficit is, so I can't get like super individualized with you. So so this is just like a broad spectrum. Take it with a grain of salt. You might have to make some different adjustments from what I'm about to say. But if you're in a, a deficit, let's say, you're down at like 1400 calories and I don't know how many calories you're eating, but let's say by the end of your diet to lose the whole 40 pounds, you ended up at a, in a, at 1400 calories. Let's say when you started the whole process, let's say your maintenance was, let's say it was 2200 calories and throughout the whole diet, you had to slowly drop, keep dropping calories throughout the diet and you ended up at 1400 calories. So that old maintenance of 2200 calories is no longer your new maintenance because you've lost all of that weight and your metabolism has been slowing down throughout the deficit. So from here, I would tell you to up your calories probably if you're at 14 i would say go up to around like 17 to 1800 let's say you just did 1700 in that first week what you're going to need to realize is that there's going to be an initial bump in weight that's not going to be from fat at all it's going to be your glycogen stores filling back up the more food volume in your stomach you're probably going to eat more sodium because you're eating more food. So you're going to hold on to more water. It's just going to be your body filling back out, which is completely okay. It's actually probably going to help you feel a little bit better. Not as weak either. You'll feel a little bit stronger, but you're going to be a little bit heavier and it's not going to be from fat. From there, what you want to do is add in calories once per week. So you're going to have that first increase of a higher increase. Let's say three to 400 calories, get the initial bump in weight. You'll sit there for around a week or two. And then from there, as your weight stabilizes back out, then you'll add in another 50 to 100 calories and give it a week again. Weigh yourself every single day. Pay attention to what happens with your weight. Your weight shouldn't go up too much. It should stay relatively the same. And then you're going to repeat that process throughout. If you gain weight while you're doing this process throughout a week, let's say you gain a pound to two pounds, that probably means that you've hit a surplus and you need to bring calories back down to allow yourself to allow your metabolism, metabolism to slowly adapt. So what we're doing is slowly adapting the metabolism back up, bring you back up to like a true maintenance level. So you're eating as much food as possible while maintaining that result. Start with an initial higher bump of three to 400 calories. From there, try to add 50 to 100 calories every single week. If you lose weight um, after you bump calories, I'd add an extra 100. If you maintain weight, I'd add an extra 50. And if you gain weight, I would subtract 50 to 100 calories depending on on how much weight that you gained until you can optimize and get yourself to a true maintenance. So that's a long-term process, but it's how you're going to be able to feel at your absolute best, eat the most food that you possibly can, and maintain the result that you've gotten. So hopefully that helps. That's all I've got for you today. I really do appreciate you guys for tuning in. I hope you've taken away some good stuff from these four questions. Like I said, my inbox is always open for you to leave further questions um, so that we can continue doing these Q&As to help you guys out the best way that I can with the knowledge that I have. And uh, yeah, just really appreciate you all for tuning in. Hopefully you have a great rest of your day and I'll talk with you soon.